Hi guys, it's another episode of the Empty Stands podcast. I'm Ivoka and I'm here with three football um, experts and analysts that are very close friends of mine. Uh, I would introduce them one after the other. I'll start with we. Hi, we. How are you? Um, maybe you could tell our guests something about you. Um, hi, Ibuka. Thanks for having me here. I'm a passionate um, football fan and always looking forward to discussing the Real Madrid game. Alright. Uh, I understand you support AC Milan. That's very weird. Yeah, yes, I do. I do. Right from when I was a kid. I've always loved this Milan since the since 1991. So I've been supporting Milan. Okay, so right, what you say since you're a kid, you're supposed to need some last nice It makes us feel very young. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Alright, that's fine. That's fine. Um, do you have any team that you're rooting for at the World Cup? Yes, um, I'm rooting for France to win the World Cup back to back. France, okay, that's quite interesting. Okay, let me move on to the next person. A very close friend of the Empty Stands family. Faye Shayo, how are you doing? Hi, here we are. Good evening. Thanks for having me here. Well, like you said, I'm, uh, I'm, I won't say I'm a guest anymore. I'm no, I, ca- I, I can't. I can't introduce you as a guest. Like, <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> it feels very wrong. So, uh, uh, well, just to introduce to probably people that are listening for the first time, I'm a football fan, first and foremost, then. I'm a Chelsea fan, and I love good football. Thank you very much. Okay, I know Koladi would take something from that when he hears Chelsea fan and good football in the same sentence. But, (laughs) hi, Koladi. Um, How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Um, Could you just tell our listeners about you? Hi, Buka. Just like you said, I'm baffled by that last sentence in that um, in Fajayo's um, introduction. Um, I'm a Barcelona fan, and we play good football. I think that was what Fajayo meant to say. Uh, for the World Cup, I'm I'm putting my money on. Uh, I was putting up my money on Spain and Argentina. I lost one of my horses, but I mean the second one is still is still driving fast. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, and we will get back to the horse that you lost because <laughs> that's something that we really need to discuss. But um, let's talk about the round of 16. Um, Faye, we saw the first game, Netherlands against the USA. We know that the USA have been playing you know, good football at the World Cup. All the results haven't been going their way, but they've been playing well. And they were coming up against a very competent Netherlands side that in the last episode for you, when we talked about, you know, the World Cup so far, um, there was a question of whether we were underestimating the Netherlands. And, you know, you said that you know, they're a team that we should take seriously because they're a very good side. And we saw them overcome USA. Um, what are your thoughts on that game? And do you actually think that the Netherlands could progress beyond the quarterfinals? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, well, uh, as it is now, it's not anybody's game anymore. Anything can happen and the tie could be tilted towards any team now. In Netherlands, we have a formidable team. And in Argentina, we have a team that also good and they have Messi. But there is a bit of history between the Netherlands and Argentina. So I would say Netherlands should take the day. Like I said, because... If you remember what I said in the last episode, I, I, I said it emphatically that 
Netherlands are a team that would get better as the team as the competition progresses, and the coach is a very, very, very uh, he, he's a very good coach, and uh, he has a lot of experience in Luis Van Gaal. Now, uh, I also said that uh, as the competition progresses, he would be able to tweak his team and and bring in a, a component that was not in the team before and try and tweak and weave. And that was exactly what he did against USA. I wouldn't say for certain that uh, bringing in uh, Memphis Depay was a masterstroke. But of course, he proved himself. He scored the first goal before the fullbacks, before they ran the show that day. So I know for certain that Netherlands are a formidable team and we should not underestimate them. Argentina, they've done very well in the past two games, but then... I wouldn't say they faced an opposition as tough as the Netherlands. I don't mean to disrespect the Australia of this world and the Mexico of this world, but they are no match for Argentina. That's for certain. But we would be treated to a very lovely match. But I am calling a Netherlands win. That is that is bold. And to be fair, I'm also leaning towards the Netherlands win. But let's hear from a very big Messi fan. Um, Koladi, have you been convinced by Argentina so far in the tournament? And coming off that hard-fought victory against Australia, which you know we thought was going to be straightforward, but this World Cup has shown us that no, no game is easy. Do you, do you think Argentina have what, what it takes to go all the way? A lot of people, before the tournament started, were tipping Argentina to win. Have you been convinced so far? Um, just to say, um, nice takes by um, Faisal, but um, I'm just going. What I'm going to say about Argentina is that um, I didn't tip them to win. I, I didn't tip them as a favorite to win the World Cup starting when the World Cup was starting. But I felt they were one of those teams that could win. Um, not just because they have Messi, but because they have um, they have two very important. They are very similar to the um, French team in the sense that they have two very important. Um, parts of the football pitch which is the defense and the attack they found a way to bypass the creative aspect of the midfield through um messi's creativity from attack and uh, whether we like it or not uh, the saudi arabia game was probably their worst game in this tournament and in that game also they were in control for large large largest part of that game they lost control for barely three minutes in the game and um, Saudi Arabia scored. Saudi Arabia scored from an XG of like zero points. I don't want to use XG stats, but yeah, they scored. They scored from like an XG of zero point one, right? Come um, from that game. So uh, I'm not really worried about Argentina. I feel Argentina are strong enough to. I think at best they are equal in terms of talent with the um, Netherlands side. And I've been convinced by what they've done because they've had to go through obstacles from the beginning of the tournament, and they've shown character. They've shown character throughout the team. And the coach also has been growing tactically from the beginning of the tournament to now that he has found his best, best midfield and best for a um, defensive component. So I'm not really worried about that. I think Argentina should have it or it goes to a penalty. But I'm just so, I'm very convinced by Argentina's solidity as a, as a, as a team entirely. And on the, on the Netherlands side, I'm not going to lie, I've not been convinced by their by their performance in this tournament. I think the only game I've been convinced by was the win against um, 
was the win against um, the United States, and it was conservative at best. So um, I, I've not been convinced by what they've done in the tournament. They've been getting the job done, but I've not been convinced. And this will be their first real test in the tournament. So let's see how it goes. I think one could argue, hearing from you and hearing from Faye, this is going to be, you know, a big test for both sides. Um, I'll just go to Ui. Ui, you talked about France being your favourites to win the tournament, back-to-back in this case now, winning the 2018 edition. Um, we saw France overcome Poland, and you know not just overcome Poland. We we saw Mbappe steal the show, and we also saw, because I need to mention Olivier Giroud becoming France's all-time top scorer. Um, do you really think France can go all the way? You know, France playing England in the quarterfinals. Do, do you think the English team is going to be a bridge too far for France? Seeing that you know everyone has this feeling, and I don't know if you share the same sentiment, that France is a one-man team. It's Mbappe and ten others. You know, do you think that is enough for France to go all the way? Um, I don't think France is, a, is an Mbappe issue, just like people um, presume. First of all, I like to speak about the English side. I think um, to be fair to England, they have probably one of the best sides they've ever had. Um, over the past 40 to 50 years. This pool of players, I believe that in the next 10 years they're going to win something for England. But I don't think they've got enough experience to be able to do that. So I think they will do well this tournament. But I think France is just a bit a step too far. Because um, though the French team are lacking several key players like Pogba and Kante, the depth of the French squad um, to make the French squad have a large pool of players has really helped team and so we have players who have stepped into the shoes of these players that are missing in this World Cup and have done so well. You saw um, in the first game when um, Hernandez was injured, his brother came, Tio came to, to replace him and there was no um, difference, there was no, um, you know what I mean by cap in terms of the team structure chemistry. Um, Tio played very well and also assisted Giroud in what, to get one of the goals. So. I think, and also with Mpapi, Mpapi has shown that he's not just only consistent, he's committed towards um, the French cause and towards French, the French team going far in this tournament. But for me, the player that has impressed me most for the French team, strangely, you might be surprised, is actually Ousmane Dembele. Um, Ousmane Dembele has played so responsibly for the first time, I would say that, um, in, the fr- in, the, in the French shirt. I've seen him for Barcelona, but the way he plays to the letter this time around, I've never seen someone that really play to the letter like this before. He plays the instructions, he, he, he drags back, he tackles, he crosses when he needs to cross. He doesn't hug, hug the ball too much like he does at times. He, he, not, he doesn't perform that showman role that he normally likes to do to show off, and he has really played well. And the, the show has really shown his faith in him by keeping him in the starting lineup. And, but I, I believe that um, Osman Deleba is one of the best players in this world if he can continue playing like this and he's going to be one of the key players that will help France to possibly win the World Cup. Yeah, thanks, Ui. Um, back to you on England. Uh, we saw them defeat Senegal 3-0. Do you think Senegal could have or should have done more in that game? Or was it a fair result and you know, Senegal were right to leave? Well, for me, I think in that game, first of all, I would say that the 3-0 loss um, is not, it's really an, an unfair reflection of 
what really happened in that game. Though tactically, Senegal didn't get it right. Um, I would say for the first 30 minutes of that game, um, England were not the better side. England were actually struggling in the first 30 minutes. Was Senegal, um, in terms of the wing, the wing play of England, they were able to effectively block the wing play of um, England. And the way they, they were, they were doing, they were playing the counter attack. Attack was very, very effective. And the way the players were able to fall back. So at the first 30 minutes, I think England were scared. But um, there was one player that made the difference from England, and that was Jude Bellingham. Was able to make such a run to the middle of the pack. And there was a problem because when you have don't have a player. As in Senegal's team, the quality of Dushage. Dushage is not, was not in this team to be able to, to, to um, curtail those surgery runs of um, Jude Bellingham. So, unfortunately, um, that was a key player that Senegal missed. And I think after the first goal came in, uh, came in um, Senegalese structure collapsed and they didn't have that belief again in them. And before you knew it, it was 3 0. But fortunately, they had played well in tournament, but it was just a bad day in the office for the Senegalese team. And, I think this after this 3-0. Though they would still have lost one, one, one or two, but 3-0 was really a far cry in terms of the overall performance. And this has to do with also we need to look at the mental um, structure of um, the, the mental um, approach to games by African teams. How do African teams approach these big matches? This is something that we need to cause for concern. We need to really look at. It's not only about having the star player, but how we going to manage your game in terms of game management and how to be able to. Um, Tactically plan your game so that you'll be more effective. We've seen that in the Moroccan team, and I hope that we'll be able to continue that trend too. Thanks, V. V, uh, let's talk about the Monday fixtures. Um, Japan Croatia was a very, very interesting game. It looked like Japan were going to cause an upset, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Croatia ended up winning on penalties with the goalkeeper Livakovic making three saves and um, over the course of that game Ivan Perisic became Croatia's top scorer in major competitions. Um, Faye, do you think um, Croatia were deserved to qualify? Do you think they deserve to qualify and um, do you think maybe we can see that push from them uh, that they were unable to do at the Euros? Well, uh looking at the game and looking at uh, japan's uh, run to the round of 16 one would have guessed easily that uh, their luck was going to run out eventually because although japan were very uh, they were a very efficient side i wouldn't say effective yet but they were efficient in the way they want to play and how they want to play as seen in their victories over Spain and uh, of course uh, Germany but then against a Croatia side who plays more penetrative football than the Germans and the Spanish national team in the sense that of course they would love to dominate possession too but they want to pelt your goals they want to create chances and they want to shoot at your goals that's a clear departure from what the Germans and the Spanish were doing. So I believe I knew, or rather, I predicted a crucial win. And uh, I also predicted the game to run into extra time. In fact, I was saying on one of our groups that probably we'd see the first extra tie, and that came to pass. So I believe uh, on the balance of play, Japan took the lead, 
but I always knew Crochet had it in them to come back and win the game and that was exactly what happened so Croatia were deserved winners but looking at the fixture coming up I think Croatia would not do anything against Brazil I'm sorry to say <laughs> because <laughs> from the beginning of the tournament Brazil were my favorite and I've been tipping Brazil to win this World Cup since Russia so and I will not go back on my word Brazil are going to win this tournament and Croatia will not stand in their way on Friday that's a, that's a very strong take um, Faye and I'm, I'm rooting for a Brazil-France final I don't know if I'm going to get it I want us to do a throwback to France 98 unfortunately you will not get it because England <laughs> would not come out oh okay that is very bold okay Faye we have it on record thank you for that you know, I love making bold predictions. I was here, it was, it was on this on this podcast, I said, Saudi will not win any game yeah. again yeah. after Argentina. Yeah, so people felt I was just being, I was hungry because I lost a bet. No, Saudi, it was, a, it was an upset and everybody would plan for them. So that's normal. So now we are getting to where it matters now. I don't think I don't I don't think England has been tested anyway. That's my own opinion. England yeah, you are right. Tested, so. You are right. They have not been tested. But one thing about England is that we can say England are this, England are that. But from what you said earlier, I want to agree with you. This current crop of England team, they are they, they are very good and they've shown that they can win something for the team in the nearest future. But one thing we are mi- missing out entirely is that. We are not giving Southgate the the credit it deserves. This guy has taken them to three tournaments and he's been to knockout of those three. The first one, semi-finals. The second one, finals. So there is something about him that we are just paying, we are not paying attention to. And people might not know, but England, they have a grudge against France too. And I believe this is a perfect time for them to settle what happened in Greece. Uh, in uh, Portugal in 2004. Hey, I'm, I'm loving this this boldness from you. Yeah, I think there are a lot. Of, I just think there are a lot of teams that um, if we watch as if we watch their 90 minutes of football, we 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 shouldn't be so convinced by what they have to offer. Um, and uh, for me, right, three of those teams are Ned the Netherlands. Um, the Brazilians and uh, the French. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I've seen them play. I've watched all their games. For the French, for the French, I just feel that their midfield is not good enough, and that's why they will not win the World Cup. The midfield cannot. God bless you. Against an elite midfield. God bless and, you. Um, even in their last game, right? Their last game, they won quite alright, but that game could have gone. It could have gone any other way, right? If the uh, opposition are taking their chances at the beginning of the game, it could have been a case of a defensive setup, right? Um, for for the um, Netherlands, I'm I don't know how I'm going to say this, but they've not passed the eye test for me. I know that that's the way Van Gaal does his thing. Van Gaal plays like that and somehow gets into semi-finals of tournaments. I know that, but at the end of the day, I just feel if they meet a compact enough team 
which I genuinely think the Argentine team is, they most likely would not go through. But I stand corrected. Then um, the last team is the Brazilians. I do believe that they have the talent to win it. But for the Brazilians, the only thing I'm saying is that I've not yet seen them play. I still feel they are still a second game. And the problem with cup tournament is that you can get too comfortable with being a second game. Right? And you just fall victim in the first 10 minutes of the game. If this Brazilian team go won't go down against that Morocco team, they might not get another goal in that game. And those are the kind of situations that could play out. We, we, we saw the game against Argentina, Argentina in the Copa America final. Brazil were the better team. But the moment Argentina got that goal, nothing was entering that post because of the passion and electric, electricity that was going through the body of the players. I just feel like those three teams, they've not yet shown me what they, they've not yet shown me their ability. They have, they've not yet matched the ability they have on the pitch yet. But you know, like um, I think Feyi, was it Feyi or Uyi that said it? There are some teams that grow into the tournament. Maybe the quarterfinal is when they start showing what they have to offer. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I need to add one more thing here. Sorry. Um, yeah. So um, I'll tell you why I don't agree with some of things Kola just said. First of all, in terms of Brazil and France, the difference between um, the difference is that um, yes, we have players like Benzema missing and um, Pogba can't critical players. Yes. So the midfield is a bit depleted. But I think a lot of people are underrating the abilities of um, Adrian Rabiot. Adrian Rabiot is a very good player. He understands the tactical nature of how to move in terms of box-to-box and he has done this thing very well throughout the tournament. So I don't think we'll have that kind of free-flow um, football that Bellingham was rock- walking through the Senegalese midfield as if nobody was there. So you have players like Chouanemi. Chouanemi has actually stepped up. We're not missing Kante in this tournament. Chouanemi has really, really impressed. And the the, the central, central backs are, are they're doing well. Of both uh, Pomecano and Varane, they're doing so well. So I don't think most of the players that are missing the French team are actually being missed in this tournament. You understand? So my only fear was in terms of how to combine the strikers, which Deschamps has done very well in terms of having uh, Griezmann play behind, uh, play behind the attack in a four-two-three-one formation. This is very perfect because when you have players like Griezmann, Dembele, and um, Mbappe in the team, you have game changers. It's not just relying on only Giroud. Secondly, for Brazil. The reason why I want to agree with that is that if you look at the way Brazil plays, Brazil plays in a similar way that France plays. But what's the difference between Brazil of now and Spain? Sorry, Spain plays. What's the difference between Brazil and Spain in this tournament? Or Brazil of now and Brazil of before? The Brazil of before or other tournament, you usually have Tiki Taka going around. That's what Spain did throughout the tournament. And then they no results because they don't have a an alternative pattern to which to rely on. Now they have a player like Richarlison, which gives an then it gives us again an extra edge. Chancing is not only fast, it's strong, it's good in the air. So in 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 a case where Brazil now has to rely on uh, instead of not relying on fast breaks, they have to rely on crosses and all that. Chancing is there, it's also good in counter attacks. So I think if the player like Chancing will actually make the difference in this tournament. And it's also another underrated player. He might end up being the best player in the tournament. I completely agree with uh, with you. Sincerely, I agree with everything you said. And uh, I, I, I wanted to say this earlier, and uh, this is one of the key battles I feel would mitigate against France. In the French national team, you rightly said, uh, Rabiot has grown into the team and he's been doing well. 
but uh, the problem i have with france the france the french national team is that i'm not convinced with their midfield trianemi has done well yes but they don't have progressors the person that has done well but of course he has gone under the radar because Mbappe is scoring Giroud scored he became the all-time highest goal scorer blah 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 it's Antoine Griezmann and in Griezmann you have a floater behind the strikers and he has done well to combine with those strikers his movement his passes into the channels and this is what England would curtail take Griezmann out of the game and France will have to go direct and they will play into England's hands and that I believe will be the will be the battle that will win England the, the game Antoine Griezmann is very important to the French setup neutralize him and France will struggle to progress the ball like you said Brazil they have different patterns they can counter they can tiki taka you they can play whatever means and they have game changers forget we've not seen enough of a uh, Martinelli, but I believe he's a great game changer. When the when the chips are down, he can come in, blah 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 blah, and you will see he will do something. And Richarlison, somebody was saying, why why was he chosen ahead of Cabrezus? He is giving them an edge. He's an animal. I call him an animal because he's not concerned with uh, playing beautiful football. He can do it. He can show all the skills of this world. He's very skillful. But then he doesn't want to let you rest. He will press you into making mistakes and he would chase you up and down so that animalistic edge this brazil are uh, a potent force they can go long they can go there and you will see in this competition Thiago Silva, Marquinhos they've gone long severally to Richarlison and that's one thing that Brazil has in their armory too thank you thanks Faye um thanks Uy. thanks Koladi um let's let's look at morocco and spain uh this is something that i've been wanting to talk about ever since the final whistle i remember being so happy i was tweeting at color day you know listing all the barcelona players in the squad and how they are going home early but we i can imagine how you must have felt watching that game as a big fan of african football seeing Morocco dig in for 120 minutes, keep Spain at bay, go to penalties, and then Bono just showed why he was the best keeper in La Liga last season. Uh, how, how was that for you watching that game? And do you think Morocco deserves to go through? Or are you on the same boat as Rodrigo that said Morocco did nothing for 120 minutes? Okay, thank you very much. Um... First of all, I would say Morocco deserves to go through. Why? Because the tactics uh, and approach to the game was much more effective than that of the Spaniards. Um, the Spaniards wanted to pass their way to victory, which was not working. And they didn't have the personnel to be able to change formation. Because if you look at what um, Morocco was playing in, in that match, Morocco played the, like a 4-4-2 formation, where if they were attacking and trying to counter-attack, you have two, two strikers going forward. But when they're defending, they, they break down into a 4-1 forward formation. There's a player that I've always mentioned and I've always liked. I've said his name severally and I think he's still one of the best midfielders in Africa. And his name is Sofian Amrabat. He has been one of the best players in this World Cup. He's very key. Why would I say he's very key? He's, he's a very strategic player in that formation because he's the one player that sits in front of the defence and does all the ball breaking by the attackers. So in that way, when he's able to quickly adapt to both the left and the right side of the midfield, in that way, um, Pushing 
um, an extra player to every wing because what the way the Moroccan players were playing that they played a kind of compact game whereby they took they take they take the pitch to one side once the Spanish team are going to the other side they take the pitch to the other side so it's difficult difficult for the Spanish team to look for an opening the only way they were, they were able to do was to try to pass away and they couldn't pass through the middle so um, and unfortunately they didn't, they didn't have such a big striker like that could like Richarlison that could pull his way into the attack and make something happen. So that was um, was very unfortunate, and you could see that from even the first 10, 20 minutes it was very clear that it was going to be a very difficult game for Spain. And unfortunately, the Spain has never been lucky when it comes to penalty shootouts. Like I remember the only time I saw Spain win a penalty shootout was in the two thousand and two World Cup against the Republic of Ireland. I think that was the second round. Yeah. So um, after that, I've not seen Spain win any penalty shootout ever. So it's very unfortunate that it's just. Um, Way Spain has to go out, even though they had a lot of success in the early 2010s and 2020s. But um, I think the time of the, gener- the golden generation is gone. Um, this set of players are also in a new golden generation. But I felt that um, Luis Enrique would have mixed the team with some more experienced players in the team. But I um, tried to go basically more for youth. Um, I congratulate Morocco once more, and I think that um, if they take the same mentality and approach, um, against Portugal, then the sky is their limits. Who knows whether they could get to the semi final or, or if possibly the final? Can't, can't tell. Yeah, Ui, there was one thing you said that really got to me um, that this seems like a golden generation for Spain, and the coach should have maybe tried to mix youth and experience because it seems like, especially in the midfield, he really went for youth in uh, Pedri and Gavi. Yes, there's a Busquets there with them, but you know maybe he should have trusted you know some of the older players more. Uh, well, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But Coladi, as a Barcelona fan and as a lover of good football, as you said, um, do you think that Morocco deserves to go through? Um. So, like, I've had these conversations with people all day, right, concerning the different takes i genuinely feel both teams deserve to go through in terms of anything that had won the game would most likely have deserved to go through um from the point of view of morocco they came into the game knowing spain had better players than them so the only thing they could do was to find come up with the tactics to curtail spain's um, um strengths which they did perfectly and they executed perfectly for the spaniards on the other hand um they expect I, I know they expected the like the way um the way um Morocco lined up, but for some reason the coach stubbornly um the coach stubbornly persisted with the setup he, he had. I cannot Rodri cannot come out, for example, what Rodri said, Rodri cannot come out and claim that Morocco did nothing when your team had over one thousand passes and just one shot on target. That tells me that you are the one that did not do what you're supposed to do. Because I don't know how I'm supposed to correlate 1,000 passes to one shot on target. I just, like I said, Spanish football really, really, they are at a very huge emergency. They are at an emergency period. I think they need to do the same thing that the, Jap- the Germans did in 20, um, 20, 2010. Yeah. They need to totally revamp their football because at the end of the day, the reason why Spain didn't win that game is that they don't have enough direct wingers. 
their wingers when are not they are not direct enough. They don't have dynamic wingers. All their wingers want to do the same thing. And um, and the, the only the only of their winger that I felt is a bit different is Alsufati. And for some reason, he seemed to have lost his pace. He has lost his pace and his power. So I don't I don't I, I don't see him being the engine that Spain needed. But at the end of the day, just like the question you asked, I don't think Spain des- I don't think any of them deserved to not win. Because at the end of the day, it was a case of two different style of play and uh, Morocco won. Morocco knew what they had to do. Either they do smash and grab or take it to penalties and uh, with their luck, right? But um, at the end of the day, like I said, I don't think Spain did enough in that game. I felt they were too, they were too, they, they played the exact same way they did against the Japanese, just passing between, um, just passing between the, their two centre-backs. The only time they progressed the ball was when Pedri had to drop down and he got to a stage he was even playing like a three. Sometimes he was playing as a two, just to be able to come down and um, have a creative output. Um, I felt like um, Lucho also made a bit of error in the squad selection. I felt like players like Michael Moreno and um, uh, Sergi Canales should have been in that squad. Um, God bless you, this man. No. I don't mind. I don't mind him not taking some experienced players like um, Sergio Ramos. I understand you're trying to move forward, so I can fully understand that. But um, Sergio Canales is not an old player. Um, Mikel Moreno is having a monster season. Um, to an extent, I mean, my bias is there with Baldi, so I'm okay with Baldi starting, and he has been one of the best left back in the in La Liga, so there's justification for that. But um, I, I don't know, probably I feel like Galan should have gotten the shout. But like I said, um, hindsight is 2020, like you said. But at the end of the day, in the context of that match, I felt Spain did not start the game well. They were too slow with their passes. The Moroccans, the Comoricans created um, two banks of four in front of their keeper, and they had no idea on how to penetrate. Apart from my boy, which I have to big up, I think he played a monster game, a monster World Cup, despite Spain going out. I think Pedri was immense in terms of his passing. He broke through the lines so many times, but like I said, there's there's so much there's so much a midfielder can do to get you in a one v one situation. But when he actually gets you to that one people one situation, as a winger, you're supposed to be able to make do with that. And I think that Ferran Torres especially was the biggest disappointment for Spain in that game. And um, they paid the price. I think they deserve to be home. They have plenty of young players that they can build on. I'm not worried about them in midfield. Their midfield is perfect. It's fine. They just need to get Zubimendi into the squad or uh, Guliamon. Let those guys play the pivot position. They need to rest. They need Busquets to retire. A midfield of Zubimendi, um, a midfield of Zubimendi, um, Pedri, Gavi, um, Canales. That's that's an elite midfield at the end of the day, and they have lots of other players coming up. I think they just need to concentrate on their forward line, which is shambolic to say the least. They need to concentrate on that position. But I think both teams deserve to go through. I'm happy for Morocco, and I think I genuinely feel like they can still cause an upset against Portugal. They are that good as a team, as a collective. They are so good. It's so difficult for you to get any chance against them. And um, I'm happy for them. At least they are carrying the African flag. Yeah, thanks, Kolali. Talking about Morocco and how good they are, they've only considered one goal, and that goal was an own goal. Just shows you how defensively solid they are. Their opponents in the quarterfinal, 
will be Portugal. And Faye, I want to get your reaction on Portugal's victory over Switzerland. A lot was said before that game. There are a lot of predictions, you know, people saying Switzerland are going to go through. I don't call names. I know a lot of people that said Switzerland will go through, especially my friends on Twitter and also people on uh, group chats, Faye. They're all predicting for Switzerland to, to go through and to qualify. But um, Fernando Santos did something. He benched Ronaldo, which was unthinkable, unimaginable. And he brought in someone that um, I've been so, so passionate about um, from the moment the tournament started. I've been tweeting about uh, Goncalo Ramos. And he, I, I call him my son because uh, on, on Football Manager, uh, I manage Benfica and the boy is just doing the madness for me. So I've been shouting for this guy to, to get the start. And he got that start. I was so excited, so happy. I was like, just go on, make me proud. I know you can do it. I know you have the ability. He scored the first goal. And I remember tweeting, <laughs> you guys have not seen anything yet. <laughs> and the boy ended up with a hat trick. Uh, just let, let me get your reaction on that game. And um, I guess the, the decision to bench Ronaldo was justified. Um, adding to your reaction, you could also talk about whether you expect Ronaldo to feature or in what capacity do you expect Ronaldo to feature going forward in the tournament? Well, uh, you could have just called my name because I was one of those that said Portugal would be knocked out. I wasn't expecting Ronaldo to be... No, I do want to call names. I said I do want to call no, names. Just call my name. <laughs> yes. I actually, it was a masterstroke by Santos and I think he, the decision to bench Ronaldo was the reason why they won comfortably because switzerland i knew switzerland were not that good yes but they had a tendency to be to be spoilers at times and uh, switzerland are a team that when their opponent are struggling too they can capitalize on that so i envisaged a ronaldo starting and i knew portugal are not that fluid when ronaldo plays because whether consciously or unconsciously, the Bruno Fernandes of this world, they play to him. The the are Felix of this world, they play to him. And what Ronaldo will end up doing is to mess up the game because of his evident lack of pace. He's, he, 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 he's not the physical beast he was before. And nobody has a God to tell him, guy, I won't give you the next pass. So I painted a scenario in my head where Ronaldo will make Portugal will drag Portugal down in the final third and Switzerland will be able to capitalize on on, on those frailties and possibly get a shocker and knock Portugal out but immediately I saw Ronaldo on the bench I knew Switzerland were going to be annihilated because (laughs) You have a fluid forward and all these boys are very young and they're all ballers. The scoreline, to some extent, wasn't a reflection of what totally happened. But on the other hand, if you saw Portugal in the last 20 minutes, they could have scored more too. So, Fernando Santos got that perfectly right and i believe he would keep on 
bent to Ronaldo. He has carved a, a, a kind of position for Ronaldo with his post-match conference saying Ronaldo is the father of the team, blah, 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 blah. He has paid his dues. He's not he's, He managed his situation perfectly. And I believe Ronaldo too as Ronaldo too understood what is happening now. Because he also said, if someone told him that Portugal will win and he will be on the bench, he would sign it off immediately. So I believe he's growing into that elder statesman position, quote and unquote. All what he needs is Portugal to be victorious. And if him playing a bit power role would make Portugal to lay their hands on the coveted World Cup trophy, I believe he would not bat an eyelid. So can I add to that, Ebuka? Can I add to that? Yes, so um in, in, in as much as the Portuguese team, um, based on the way they play, they, they play more of a press in the sense that the fullbacks are more attacking, while they have a very conservative midfield that does a lot of um, passing without making mistakes. That's the way Fernando Santos likes to play this game. Then you have the attacker always coming to part of the press when they are defending or when they are out of possession. Uh, maybe that's where Ronaldo at times might not, have, um, might not be compatible with the team. But that doesn't mean that Ronaldo is totally useless to the team. Ronaldo is still a very key player in the team. And this is the World Cup. Let's just not forget that. When, when it's the World Cup, you need ex- the most experienced players to, to, at the World Cup. They, they are the ones that will deliver when the t- goings are hard. So Ronaldo will still be a key player of this World Cup. They should not discard him and leave him on the bench. He will come in handy. You know, they should look at the opponent before making their decision. I remember in the 1994 World Cup and final. Brazil versus Italy. All of a sudden, Arrigo Sanchez started Franco Baresi because he knew that those are the kind of matches that those kind of players are born for. And you could see the performance of Franco Baresi in that tournament and that in that match. Also, same thing with Pagluca. Pagluca had a red card in the first round, but the coach would have kept faith with um, Matt Gianni, but he didn't. In the final, he started yeah, Luca Pagluca. So, big players they they turn up when it matters most. It, it's also very important. I can also give you another case of where um, AC Milan and Liverpool 97, there was a decision between Inzaghi and Giladino. Giladino had been playing very well in the tournament, but as a lot of started, uh, Inzaghi had paid off. So, these are what big players can bring to you. So, um, in as much as Portugal wants to go for this tournament, they should know that Ronaldo is still a secret weapon. He still has what it takes. Forget about all the media hype. Ronaldo is still hungry as much as ever, and I believe that he still has a very big part to play in this tournament. Thanks, Ray. Um, you're right. These big players do know how to step up when it matters. And Portugal will need Ronaldo at some point in the tournament to probably get them out of a tricky fixture. It could be even from the game against against Morocco. But let's quickly look at the quarterfinals, starting with Friday where we have Croatia against Brazil. And I want to go back to you Uy, on, on this one. Um, do you believe that this is a game Brazil would dominate and win? Or do you think Croatia can, you know, take these guys all the way, take them to extra time and probably nick a result either in extra time or on penalties? Because I, do, I don't know why. I just don't feel like Croatia would win <laughs> in 90 minutes. Yes, um, I think the Croatian side is a very tactical side. Um, and I think they are heavily underrated. They are very effective. Well, this is the quarterfinals. They are still in the World Cup. 
last World Cup, we said the same thing about them. They would go out in the second round, they go out until they got to the final, and everybody was okay. Oh, this is serious. And the France scored and equalized. So I don't think um, people, are, uh, people are taking the Croatian team too much for granted. They are very, very tactical, and not just tactical, tactically disciplined team. So they listened to instructions very well and they played it later. So they're going to come up with a tactical formation that might frustrate Brazil. So Brazil has to be very careful and make use of all their options. Luckily, the Brazil side is not like the Brazil side of 1990 World Cup um, or the 2018 World Cup where they want to just play to the gallery. And the difference between this Brazil team and last World Cup Brazil team is that you have a player like Richarlison who, who I've always believed in that can bully his way and get results from nothing. You have a player like Felicius, Felicius can easily cut in, not just cutting in, but also create goals from nowhere. So these players are really, they've really made a difference for the Brazil team. And I think at the end of the day, in as much as Croatia will try to frustrate the Brazilian approach, I think the individual players on the day will make the difference. So I think Brazil will win by a, a, a low margin, but I think at the end of the day, they will justify um, why they are, they are going to be called tight contenders this World Cup. And hopefully we'll see them in the final. Hopefully we see them in the final. Again, I'm hoping it's against France. Uh, we'll move to Netherlands-Argentina. That that feels like a Faye-Shayo versus Colady because Faye is rooting for Netherlands, Colady is rooting for Argentina. But Colady, final word, Do you, you said you're not convinced by the Netherlands. I'm guessing you are very much leaning towards an Argentina victory. Yes, um, I think Argentina will win. I think it's going to be very much similar to what happened in the last World Cup when they met in the semi-final. And I, I don't know. My mind just keeps telling me penalty. <laughs> because both teams are... I think both the both teams prioritize their defensive setup and um, hope to hit you on the counter-attacks. So, um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a draw and Argentina will win on penalties. But... Um, I would prefer I would prefer if they win it on night at ninety minutes to help my um, blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine how that's going to be. Um, Fate to the Saturday fixture, Morocco against Portugal. This is the last ho- hope that Africa has in the tournament, going up against Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think that after defeating Spain? Morocco have enough in the tank to do it all again against Portugal. Ah, this is a tricky one, yeah, because as an African man, uh, I really want to see Morocco progress. I really want to see them do it for the first time. But looking at that Portuguese team, <laughs> I am looking at the best defense and. Uh, a team that has avalanche of attackers that will hurt you even if they are not starting like who you said a Ronaldo with massive experience could come in and then knock them off so it's going to be a very close tie but I think this would be boys to men's end of the road for Morocco Morocco, they have done well. They've done Africa proud. But I believe Portugal would edge them because experience counts. And these very instances and moments like this. 
Thanks, Faye. And finally, we uh, England against France. I'm guessing you're leaning towards France. Yes, I'm, I'm leaning towards France because um, the quality of the French players. Um, yes, England have quality, but they're quite a young side. And um, I think the French players, in terms of, they have um, much more experience in their tank. Um, England has not really been tested in this tournament. So we want to see the fullbacks really tested. In terms of when Papi comes, when Papi Dembele comes to attack the likes of Lukshaw, what happens? Let's want to see the reaction. Or Kai Walker. Can Kai Walker outpace um, Usman Dembele or vice versa? Let's see what let's see. Let's see how these duels come come into play. Or on Papi. Can Papi find a way out to be able to um prove prove himself that yes, he's really a contender for the best player of the tournament. So it's, so France have a lot to prove the same thing with England, but I think at the end of the day. Um, the French team will just have more than enough firepower to to carry the day. So I see like a, a like a two one or three two win by France. But it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of goals and end of day. But one player I still feel people that wrote is Idi Arabiot. Idi Arabiot is a very good player. He knows how to carry the ball from one end to another. So if England underrate him, he might do a lot of damage. That's what I take on that match. Thank you so much, Ui. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm biased and I'll be honest I don't want England to win the World Cup just because Rich James is not there to be messed up if they if they win the World Cup and James doesn't have it on his CV I'm just sorry but that's that's how I feel um, thank you so much guys for being with me on this one um, to our listeners thanks for sticking with us we are The Empty Stands on Twitter at the empty stands on Instagram at the empty stands podcast. Koladi, uh, Fei, Shayo, we, you guys have been brilliant. I will try to do this again. Um, probably keep the gang together before the semi final so we can look back on our predictions for the quarter final and look forward to the semis and the final. Thank you so much, guys. Um, cheers to more amazing football matches more amazing moments goals and um talking points in this qatar 2022 world cup cheers